Welcome to Pop Your Cultural Cherry. My name is Lawin and I am your host. In this podcast, I'll be talking about my unique perspective on life and culture here in Europe, the good, the bad, the things that you would need to adjust to if you have plans of moving to Europe or you're already living here. So welcome back everyone to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed my first episode or my introduction. It was quite difficult for me to make an introduction because there's so many things that I wanted to say and I didn't really know what to say in that short amount of time. But for this episode, I want to be more specific. So I wanted to talk about something more in detail. And I think a good first topic for me would really be what were my impressions of, of Europe prior to, to going there and, and what actually contributed to my perception of Europe. So a bit of, a bit of background. So prior to me going to Europe in 2016, I didn't know much about Obviously, I saw movies that were shot in Europe or movies about Europe. I guess everybody saw movies like Eurotrip. You have a lot of like spy crime movies that are shot in Europe. Like, I don't know, I think some Born Identity movies were shot there. And then you have a lot of, you know, old movies that really talk more about, you know, the history of you. Obviously, a lot of, of movies also that are shot in the UK or English movies, at least, that are shot in the UK. You kind of have this impression based on seeing those movies of how, you know, it should be. Besides that, I guess the only other impression that, that I had of Europe was based on other people's experiences. So, you know, you know obviously people have it on their bucket list to, you know, visit, you know, to go to Paris or to, to Barcelona or something. And you hear stories about how how cool it was or what, what they were able to do or how many countries they were able to visit and, you know, the historical museums that they were able to, to go to and, you know, check out the Mona Lisa or some World Heritage sites. And I think that really, you know, kind of paints a picture as well. And also, prior to coming here, I was quite fascinated by Spain, obviously because of our shared history. I read up a lot about Spain, you know, how it is now, how it you know, their history and whatever, simply because the Philippines was a colony of Spain for around 300 plus years. At some point in time, my ancestors would have spoken Spanish as their medium of instruction in school. And, you know, advertisements were written in Spanish. And they could speak, obviously, Spanish and work at that capacity. But about the other countries in Europe, like, I didn't really know much. Another thing that, that contributed to my image of Europe was also when I started traveling around Southeast Asia. So I met really a lot of European people. By talking to them, by hanging out to them, you also kind of learn about, you know, their culture or their country. And when I was, like I mentioned in the introduction, the first episode that I kind of worked with a, a person from the Netherlands, but I also, you know, met other people during that internship, quote unquote, um, people from Poland, Germany, the UK. So, I mean, I had some idea of, of what I could expect. So let's, let's talk about a few key points, like specific things that I would have expected in Europe. So first, let's talk about beer. So that's one thing that obviously Europe is famous for, simply because, you know, beer was invented in, in this area. So I always had this expectation that beer would be good. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, European beers such as Hogarden or... Um, Lefe became pretty popular in the Philippines and they were marketed as premium beer. So quite expensive, triple the price of a regular Filipino beer, but really, really good and very, very distinct flavor that we never really 
had in the market. Quite a few beer from Belgium and, and Germany and the Netherlands started entering the Philippines and you could buy them at, you know, a premium price. Uh, at the same time, big companies like Heineken were starting to also make their presence felt in the Philippines. I know they bought up a few beer brands around Southeast Asia. So I think Tiger belongs to, to Heineken. And then a few years ago, Heineken entered the Philippines to kind of compete with our you know, biggest local beer brand. I, I thought at that time, like, yeah, beer in Europe is going to be awesome. I'm seeing so many different types of, of beer, so many different countries that produce beer and each of them with a distinct flavor. Second thing I expected was people to actually be very adventurous, very curious. I also expected people to be kind of outgoing. I also had this idea that everyone could speak English. And this is because you know, when you go backpacking or you meet people on the road, obviously they have to kind of communicate in English because they're traveling around Southeast Asia. Obviously they're outgoing as well because they're, they're staying in hostels and whatever. They're sleeping in a room with 10 strangers and you see how they, they socialize with other people. So that, that was an expectation I had as well. But in reality, it's not really like that the level of english would depend from country to country so for example in the netherlands everybody speaks english in germany i'd say good number of people our generation could speak english but you know you go to france or to spain and that number really would decrease also depending on the level of education and the age and if they live in a big city where they're exposed to you know other foreigners or something but yeah i mean in terms of being social that also depends from country to country. And I always had this general perception about everybody. But once you start living here and meet other people, you notice that that impression you had of being able to group Europe into like, this is Europe is really, really wrong. And you should kind of view culture separately, countries separately. Probably it's the same for Europeans would group, you know, Southeast Asia, like Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam. It's all the same, but obviously it's not. And and if you would visit that part of the world, then you'd, you'd know that as well. Well, in terms of food, actually, I didn't have a lot of expectations. For one, I'd say European food is not that big. In the Philippines, I can say it's not that big. You have kind of more you know, American food and Asian food. So if we say it's like Italian food, actually what we're, we're saying is more Italian-American. And in terms of like French food, you know, we also have... Obviously, we have some restaurants that are French. I don't know if they're authentic. I never really, you know, tried to look for them. But in general, they're not as popular. Maybe they are are marketed as premium restaurants, but definitely they are not, you know, affordable for everybody. So I actually would not go there. And in general, we have our own food culture. I'd say people prefer really Asian food, food with rice. A lot of people would say a meal without rice is not really a meal. So yeah, so it's either you have... Food from the Philippines, food from other parts of Asia, like very big is Japanese food. Korean food is making an entry right now. Chinese food, obviously. Chinese Filipino food. So we have this kind of idea also of this region, regional cooperation in Southeast Asia. So it's called ASEAN. And ASEAN stands for um, Association of Southeast Asian Nations. And that includes you know, the Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand. Vietnam, etc. Because of this kind of association, I think since since I can remember, you can travel freely between each country. And I think when people started to travel within Southeast Asia more, also Southeast Asian food became quite popular in the Philippines. So now we have a lot of, you know, Vietnamese, Thai, also some Malaysian, Singaporean themed food courts, uh, etc. So 
in general, yeah, European food, like I would not find a, a Dutch restaurant in the Philippines. So what you would find actually is more Spanish food, obviously, because of the history. So we have quite a few Spanish food and that I've eaten. So I kind of knew what Spanish food is like. But the rest, actually, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge on. So I came here and I had to discover the food uh, on my own. And you know, some of it I like more than others, obviously. But I still miss the occasional rice. Now, one thing I, I knew about Europe is that everything's well connected. Probably that was because of watching Euro trip. You can just travel between each country because of the, the Eurozone and the Schengen area. You can just travel through each country via train or you can drive. You can take a bus or whatever. Everything's kind of connected by land except, I guess, for the UAE, which is also not part of Schengen area. In general, taking train is quite expensive. It's not cheap. But now there are companies like Flixbus where you can get kind of rates for taking buses one city to another. Obviously, you can also rent a car if you have the balls to drive with your license for, from outside of you. I always had this, this idea that all of Europe is, you know, old cities, old buildings, but in terms of technology, uh, advanced. So it's kind of like, you know, you have a facade that's, that's historical, that's old, but the interior advanced in technology. But in reality, it's not 100% true. Obviously, there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of historical places, but also because of the war, a lot of cities were destroyed and restored to their former glory. In terms of like technology, so like this idea that Europe is super high tech because, you know, the technology is, is created in Europe. And then, but if, you know, you've been to countries like Japan, Singapore, or Hong Kong, actually, it's not as technologically advanced. I was quite shocked. Restaurants or, or shops, especially in Germany, and they wouldn't accept a debit card. And in general, like in Europe, it's not so easy to find places that accept credit card. That's one thing. But another thing is just like, you know, purchasing tickets for specific places. Sometimes you need to go there manually. I thought, you know, you could use an app for everything, making appointments. Yeah, so so that's that's changing. And then I think place like Germany will be adapting that more and more in the future. But also, obviously, that would really depend on the country you're living in. So I hear there are advanced countries in, in Scandinavia and Eastern Europe that, that are very quick to adapt these new technological advancements. Netherlands is also pretty good in terms of, of this. I think Germany is lagging behind. And it's not because of the technology not being there, but it has more to their culture and how they value data privacy, data security. So that's that's a really complicated topic. <laughs> that I can talk about more in another episode. Actually, I thought that Europe would be super expensive. If you look at it as a whole, some areas would be more expensive than others. So for example, you have, you know, Scandinavia where everything's super expensive, like Switzerland. And then you have, you know, Southern Europe, like Spain, Italy, Greece, or whatever, which are fairly less expensive. And also you have Eastern Europe that's also a bit less expensive. So obviously expenses or how expensive something would, would vary from country to country because also the, the salaries would vary. If I would compare Europe, the Philippines or other countries in Southeast, I'd say in general, it depends also on the city you're living in. But in general, food is always more expensive. Eating out is more expensive. Groceries actually could be the same. In Europe, most of the time, when you go to the grocery, even like the crappy groceries, the quality of, of whatever you buy there is pretty high. So I think for that quality, they're pretty inexpensive. But eating in restaurants and, and any type of service 
I noticed are quite expensive. So if you, you go to a barber shop or you want to get a massage, it's pretty expensive. And this is, I guess, regardless of which country you're in. So for example, if I would eat, you know, a meal at a, not the, the cheapest restaurant, but, you know, mid-level restaurant, you'd spend between you know, eight, no, let's say 10 euro to like 16 euros here in Germany. The Netherlands is something similar. The cheapest food that I could actually buy would be either from the bakery, which is not bad. Also, the main, you can buy some bread with like some meat for two euros. You can get a donut at like a Turkish kebab shop for four to six euros. Definitely have a wide range of options. But in general, because Europe lacks this kind of street food culture, where you just like have stalls set up on the sidewalk and you can buy stuff super cheap. Things are quite regulated and food prices are, are not cheap, at least eating out. So actually in the Philippines, I would not I would not cook at all because, you know, food is just so cheap outside. You can just go to a sidewalk and food there or you go to really cheap restaurants. You can get a meal for like one euro. I'd say on average, you'd spend three euro on a mid-level restaurant, three to five euro. But here it's oh, more than double of that. So that's something that I needed to get used to buying from the supermarket and you know, learning and cooking at home. Because then it, the prices are not that that different. But obviously, that, that's also different from country to country. I have not been to Scandinavia nor Switzerland, but I'm expecting that if you would go one of these countries, then you'd spend more than 10 to 16 euros. I think a good way also of, of comparing each country is looking at McDonald's because they're everywhere. In the Philippines, if I would eat a McDonald's, I'd spend anywhere between 2 to 5 euros in Germany or the Netherlands. Easily double, double that. Let's talk about traveling around Europe. So one thing I expected is that Europe is very, very small distance-wise. And once I would start living here, I would be able to, you know, travel every week if I wanted to from one country or another, make a lot of short trips and really explore Europe at a slow pace. When I got here, I just noticed that there's really, really a lot to see. I could easily spend three to four days in a city. You know, because there's history, there's nature, you know, there's hanging out in cafes or whatever. But also traveling is a bit tiring because you have to walk a lot. And I didn't want to rush myself into, you know, just seeing the highlights of a place for a few hours, then moving on to the next. And if I travel, like I want to see at least a few key places before I head back home. So traveling during the weekend, I didn't really do much. Only places kind of within two-hour train radius from where I was living in. If I had more time, maybe holiday from work or from studying, then I could actually go further and see more. But in general, I would limit myself to seeing uh, different cities or visiting another country that was a maximum two and a half hours by train. Also because it's expensive. So like a round trip from the south of the Netherlands to the north of the Netherlands is easily... If it's a day trip, maybe you get it for like close to 20 euros. And that's the cheapest you can get. In Germany, it's also the same. If you travel with Bundesland, Bundesregion, or like the, the province, then it would, I don't know, 20 euro. And it gets quite expensive. And if you don't have, you know, friends you could stay with, then accommodations are also not... I mean, you could obviously always go to hostels and stay for, I don't know, 10 euros. Or Airbnb from like 20 to 30 euros. In the, but in general... I'd like to spend more time. I mean, it is possible if you just want to see highlights, but honestly, I wouldn't recommend it because you wouldn't really 
see much and you'd be super tired and feel like it's not worth it. One more thing I wanted to talk about was safety when traveling. Because, you know, I, I hear a lot of stories from people who travel to very touristic areas that you still experience petty crime and then it's not that safe or whatever. And I've been to a few touristic areas and I'd say it's still a lot safer than, than what we would have back home. Maybe because also I'm not, I might not be the target because like I'm pretty tall for Asian guy, but I hear a lot of Chinese tourists getting robbed. So I'd still be vigilant, very touristic areas. But in general, in terms of life threatening, I'd say Europe is super safe. So I can in Amsterdam at 4 a.m., you know, you can just walk around and walk back to your place and expect nothing to happen. Um, it's even a lot safer in, you know, small cities like where I've been living, like in Maastricht or Aachen, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on your bicycle or walking super drunk, expect nothing to happen. So yeah, so that's been this episode of what my perspective of Europe was before actually visiting. I kind of also explained a few things about expectations versus reality. But I just want to give you an idea of of what I thought Europe would be like and how actually that thought formulation happened. I hope you found this episode also interesting and, and stay tuned for more.